Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, uh, and how long am I going to have to introduce myself? <laughs> every and time. Uh, every time. And uh, my sidekick Brad is here today. Hola. And uh, so, so y'all, we're here to do part two of the attachment series. So, uh, you know, I w- I meant to put on, uh, you know, the social media that we. It doesn't matter whether you've read the book. I hope that all of you are joining us, whether you read the book or not, uh, because I feel like we're going to give enough information. And uh, Brad and I had decided when we were talking about this book, I love the book. I think that the information in there is great, but I like it to a point. It's compartmentalized for me uh, at this point, because the more I think about it and talk about it, and the more Brad and I have talked about it together the more we've decided it's just a small piece. And um, and I, I think based on what I do for a living, it, it may be why I've never read the book and managed to have a, a, a very successful career in counseling because this is only part of the deal. So uh, this is only part of the deal. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that today and how attachment styles matter. And I think we can put this in a context that makes some sense because the way I want you to utilize the information in this book and your attachment style is basically for context. Because I truly believe, and Brad and I discussed this, and I think there's a lot of research out there to back this up, that our attachment style changes depending on who we're with. And it changes over time. And there's just a lot of holes that we can poke in it. And so we're going to poke some holes in it today only because we want to be able to give you tools to be able to use in your everyday life. And so it's really important that you not throw a label on yourself and put yourself in a box. Uh, however, some of the information is, impo- is, is good and it can be utilized, right? Just another tool in the tool belt. Another right? tool in the that's toolbox. That's really all it is. Okay. Yeah, seriously. Okay, I mean, that's... You take all this information together and you kind of compile your knowledge of yourself and others. I mean, it's not one book isn't over another. Right, right. I I mean, again, I I think the attachment style. So there's in this book, in this book, there's three. Yes. So in this book, there's three. Uh, There is anxious attached, there's secure attached, and there is avoidant attached. And uh, they basically supposedly are all formed before maybe one, one years old. Uh, although lots of different theories on that, uh, but the anxious attached is, I mean, it's exactly what it is. Pretty self-explanatory. It is. Most of them are actually, when you think about the three words. Right. Right. I mean, you think about an anxious person. It's, it's that person that gets in a relationship or Mm -hmm. gets in a, in a, in a partnership and uh, has triggers that, that make them anxious, that give them anxiety. (laughs) And so then they're acting out. They're the need, tend to be the needier, uh, type. Uh, then you've got secure, which is exactly what it is. Secure. Mm-hmm. They they can kind of bend either way, uh, but they don't they don't go too far either way. Although we we, we think talk they about, shift though. We think we're going to talk shift. about that today. Yeah. Uh, sure. And uh, coming from two tested secures, <laughs> tested. Uh, but uh, but. But, but uh, don't get so proud, Brad. And then, uh, and then. Hey, I'll take all I can get right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's crazy 2020. Oh, Jeez. God. Test How about secure? just a crazy Wednesday for me? So. But, uh, but 
so then there's the avoidant uh, attachment style, which is basically just that. They fear intimacy. So they want it, but when they get too close, they fear it. Yeah. And uh, as we talked about last week, you can have multiple. And I tend to believe we do have multiple. I think we can have multiple in our life with, you know, have a certain style with our parents, have a certain style with our best friend, have a certain style with our partner. Uh, I, it's just me. Uh, so, well, I think like you've said, though, it's related back to the love languages. We don't have the same love languages with everybody in our life. Each one's a little different. It's sort of the same thing. I think you bring up a great point that you're going to probably fluctuate through the three based on relationship, you know, your family relationships, your sibling relationships, your lover's relationship or whatever, your friends, you're going to have, you're going to kind of move through these things. I think the crazy thing about all of this is we have related a lot of this to the five love languages. The five love languages is a little bit more constant. It's more of a constant uh, where this is more variable. There's a lot more variables in this theory and there's a lot of holes in this theory. So uh, so Brad and I just kind of wanted to, to dance into this because the one thing is, so how do the... How we wanted to get in today some meat and potatoes as has to how the how the what are these I'm my dancing. hands? I'm dancing. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, we're dancing. Uh, I know I'm always talking with my hands. So uh so <laughs> I wanted to to uh. just kind of go into the different attachment styles. Obviously, the one that doesn't work that's the most obvious that really anybody really speaks about is the fact the anxious and the avoidant. So the anxious is always seeking intimacy. The avoidant is always avoiding it. So, yeah. I mean, it's just so simple. It's like ABC. Uh, you know, the, that's where the clash is always going to be is there's always the triggers. They're going to always be attracted to each other because of that feed. As a matter of fact, yesterday, I think we had come up, we'd, we'd found that explanation, the gravitational pull. Uh, and I'm just going to read it to the best of my ability since I didn't bring my glasses with me. <laughs> it's just been one of those days. I'm just saying. Okay. So uh, each uh, reaffirms the other's belief about themselves and relationships, the avoidance, defensive uh, self-perception uh, that they are strong and independent uh, is confirmed and that the belief that others uh, want to want to pull them. Okay. Hey, Here. Are we still read. talking about the right <laughs> Please read. That's it's a, underlined. That's Please read. That's a different attachment style. I'm officially blind. That's okay. Wait, where do you want me to read? The bottom or the top? The one that underlined there. Okay, where did you stop? I'll just say the anxious types find their perception of wanting more intimacy than their partner can provide is confirmed as their anticipation of ultimately being let down by significant others. So in a way, each style is drawn to reenact a familiar script over and over again. So, I mean, that's why they get in the bubble, right? Yeah. So the basically, I mean, basically in a nutshell, again, I wanted to read it so we at least had the factual book stuff. But in a nutshell, the anxious wants the intimacy until it gets into it. And then the closeness becomes too much and they pull away. And that's the crazy dynamic about all of this and why it kind of, why it kind of doesn't work in a sense is because people can float between multiple uh, attachment styles. So if you had a mom that was an avoidant and a dad that was uh, uh, anxious, you're going to float, you could float between the styles. And that's the other part, of, the other part of this mix that this book didn't really talk about was the genetic factor. So they did just as much research on this to show that 
I know we didn't even talk about this, but they did just as much research to show that we take on the attachment style of our parents. So it's, there's a genetic link to that, the attachment style itself, and there's just as much research to show that that's valid as there is to show that this is valid. That is all, and this is all, the stuff in this book was all based on before age one. Like this is saying before age one, how your mother bonded with you uh, your, or your caregivers bonded with you is, is how secure you're going to be, whether it's going to be secure, anxious, or attached, or, or avoidant. So, uh, so I know, I know. So we, we really have, uh, we, mm. we, we really have, what's the and for? I, I'm, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the genetic tie, but genetics and evolution and all this stuff also tells us that through your life, you adapt and change. So you're maybe a foundation, just, just my opinion too. There could be a foundation for a particular attachment style or particular, you know, based on bonding and all that. But at the same time, you're going to also change through your life based on your relationships. And you've talked about that. Yes. And they've talked about it too. So I think we're back to what you originally said was, which is, I think you're going to have a base, but you're going to move left and right of that base, right? So if you're anxious and you date a secure person, you're probably going to move more towards the center, towards secure because they're going to make you more secure. Okay, so here again, you know? so let me, I don't mean to interrupt you, but here's where this research kind of went awry uh, the more I looked into it, is that when they dug into that whole idea of the secure, if you get in a relationship with the secure, does it make you more secure? And the answer is actually no, because the, when we were reading about the therapist, how people said, well, who are who is your secure model for you know, who, who would you model this behavior after? It's just like my clients will always say, Jen, when this happens, I always hear you say this to me, right? But that's the same thing with people and their therapists where they say, what would my therapist say? My therapist would tell me that when I'm faced with this issue with my avoidant you know, boyfriend or husband, that I'm supposed to handle it this way. So they're modeling the behavior on the therapist. It's not changing them. And they feel secure. The secure bond becomes with the therapist and not with their partner. Yes, they have more tools, but the, the connection actually, the secure attachment became to the therapist. Yeah, there was more out there on this, like I just read a lot more than was in here. So I wanted to, I did the day-to-day -day stuff. But, yeah, but we, that's what I wanted to get into. You know. So I, you know, we, we felt like there was enough information here, even though there's little, we're poking holes in the research. We felt like there was enough information here to hit this on a ground level where we could say, how do people take this home? Yeah, what's this all mean? Yeah. The take-home message. Yes. Let's unpack it. Unpack it. Let's unpack here it. Here we go again. Bit. So I have a, so here's my first question. We talked about this yesterday. And I think it's a valid question because the book speaks to being in a secure, dating a secure. Like everybody says, where's the secures? Well, they're all married, but are in a relationship. But anyway. So my question and that we discussed a little bit when we get into this is why, why would a secure date an anxious? Because okay. to me, you know, in my question right here is like, wouldn't they get tired of the drama? Right. Cause they'll only, they can only go so far in my opinion. Right. They, they, right. So, so why, why does a secure anxious work? So the secure kind of works with anybody supposed to yeah i mean right. and the reason why is because they don't have the anxieties of the anxious or the fears of the avoidant and therefore they can adapt 
to either one. And they tend to not see some of those things. I, and I can even say this myself, like I've been blindsided and I always go, how do, how does somebody like me get blindsided in relationships when I know so much about them? But when you're not, when you, you can't think like somebody, and we were talking about when Michael Moulton, uh, hey Michael, if you're watching, uh, was here a few weeks ago and he was talking about the cycle of the addict and uh, how when they were triggered, how they went into resentment and fear and all these steps. And I sat over here with my jaw on the floor going, I've never thought like that uh, because that kind of stuff doesn't go through my mind, nor could it, nor could I comprehend it, right? I might be able to respect it and understand it as I do for somebody else, but I don't think like that. So something, so an avoidant comes in or an anxious comes in and they're freaking out and needing validation you're thinking, I'm just going to give them validation because this is what they're looking for, right? You're not overthinking it. You're not in their head. You're not in fear of the avoidant, right? You're not supposed to be. I guess my point was is that if, if it's a constant battle, for, for example, like one of the things they talk about is I text him all day and he never responds. He never responds. I text him all the time and they get that anxious and they start to get all crazy. And a secure would be like, oh my God, like, geez, Louise, when is this going to stop? You know what I'm saying? And then they would, they would validate it and, and try to deescalate, I guess, you know, and tone that, tone that anxiety down. I'm just wondering, like, at some point, does a secure, because a secure go, this is getting a little too I, much. I would think in an extreme case, yeah. you know, I would think in an extreme case. And I think one of the things that we talked about yesterday is that long-term relationship, because I think it's easier to fall into patterns in a long-term relationship. And when you're very committed to someone or something that they don't seem to be as extreme. Uh, I know I was telling Brad that I, I was in a relationship with an avoidant anxious. He was both. And uh, we floated between, and I didn't think anything of it. I just, you just, I just adapted to the, the, to his behaviors and tried to understand them, but never took them personally. And I think that's the, I think that's the good part and the bad part, because the good part is you're not taking it personally. So you're not getting anxious right. <laughs> or fearful, Correct. but when you're also not seeing what's happening, then you're missing out. Well, and they also talk about that in a book a little bit, that secure can get themselves in relationships they probably shouldn't be in because they just keep going on. Right? Yeah, because you're Oh, not it's okay, it. hey, whatever, and it's okay. And it's red flags. Right. And it's on your list of red flags, but because you're kind of, we'll figure it out. Right. You keep going. Right. Um, and so, and they can get themselves into some, some challenges as well. I want to talk about anxious avoidant relationships because there was a really good example that we talked about. And... It involved toothpaste. Oh, God, the toothpaste story. <laughs> so, there's an anxious uh, female and an avoidant male. They've decided to move in together. Um, he's crazy about her. He's like, this is one of his, like it talks about in the book, that this is, this. she's the one, mm -hmm. right? But he's been single for a while. He's kind of OCD in his house, et cetera, just to give you kind of, I'm just painting the picture. Um, and she moves in and... He very meticulously squeezes the toothpaste from the bottom, and she very rudely squeezes from the middle. So that causes an issue, right? About and they blow up at each other, and and all this. And the point I'm I'm trying to get to is like, even if you're an anxious avoidant, don't you? Wouldn't wouldn't just common sense take over and say it's just toothpaste? <laughs> right. 
Like seriously, if it's that big a deal, just go buy her own tube of toothpaste. <laughs> it would seem a lot easier to me, but they get into all this. So let's talk about an anxious avoidant relationship because they eventually work it out and, and make it work. But tell us how that can work. So that was the funny part when Brad brought this story to my attention and we started talking about it. He's like, why don't they just go buy another tube, tube of toothpaste? You know, why does it have to be something psychological underlying that, Jeez. you know, blah, blah, blah. Can we overthink this more? Uh, but, but it can be, but it really, really can be. So for the avoidant, it, it's not about the toothpaste. It's about the fact that that's just the thing. It's all these other things that she's in his space right? She's in his space and the toothpaste is what he's using to show, to show his frustration. To, to deactivate. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Push away. To push away. Space. Yeah. And, or as the example as to why they're frustrated, because probably sometimes I don't think the avoidant can even figure out what that thing is, but, but that is, that is the way. So, so now she's getting too close. She's in his space and he's wanting to push her away. Um, because that's what he does. So he makes it about the toothpaste, right? Right. And it's not about the toothpaste. So, uh, so I just feel like it's such a great life example to understand what your triggers are and to think, to understand sometimes that the little things are the bigger things. They, there's, there is sometimes something underlying and you have to figure out why the drama or why you're picking a fight or what is really you know, the problem, because that's, that's a hard thing when you do get two different styles together. You could have a secure and an avoidant in the same, in the same deal. Essentially, sure. I mean, it would be your reaction as a secure with the avoidant. And he's like, or she's like, because hopefully you're not living with him. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> Brad, the toothpaste, you're supposed to squeeze it from the bottom. And you're like, well, I squeeze it from the middle. I'll try, but no, just go I'll just go get another tube. <laughs> so you feel like you've solved the problem. And here's where the secure misses it is that you feel like you solved the problem, but the real problem isn't the toothpaste. The real problem is that she's in his space. The better alternative would be if you are an anxious, and there are plenty of anxious out there. Uh, if you are an anxious and you are in a relationship with a secure the best thing you could do is give them their space. You mean, I mean avoidant? I mean, the avoidant, avoidant is give them their space because that's ultimately what's going to make them feel the most comfortable. They may be okay living with you, but they want you in another bathroom. Well, it was very interesting because the solution they came up with was she had a friend that had like an extra bedroom that oh. she never rented. And she never lived there. She never moved in there. She still stayed with this with this man. But the bottom line was... He knew she had an option to go somewhere, and that calmed him down, which I thought was a little kind of weird. But he knew she he had an she had an she had he, an out. No, he had an out. He had an out. He had an out. But that's an avoidant, though. He like, had a plan B. I don't want to make him the bad guy because that's just how they think. That's their style. They need to know if they how can, they can escape. They They've can got get their away. Right, because when you're in my house, I can't escape. Right, like right. unless I send you to the other bedroom, and then that causes all those sorts of other issues. So. But I think that's I think that's some everyday. So what are some of the tall tale signs? Because the other thing you and I uh, talked about, which I thought was was pretty interesting, was some of this stuff won't show for a period of time, right? So we're talking about secures and anxious, and and you're like, oh, I met this gal and she's great, and it's I don't see triggers here. I don't see any of this stuff in her. She's got to be secure. She may be my perfect person, and then three months down the road, there's a trigger. 
because what we talked about, what you talked about, which I thought was great, was is, is we still kind of do this for a period of time. And then a layer drops or a wall drops, and you let them a little further in. And then a little further True. in. True. And as you get but. closer and closer you start to let yourself out a little bit more. That's true. And, and just as a general that's rule, a trigger. general rule, but see, this is where the avoidant and the anxious connect and why they attract because that avoidant person is kind of that love bomber too. So they may come mm -hmm. on strong at the beginning. The anxious they is getting that. their needs met yes. and therefore it feels good. And until it's not until that anxious gets in and starts feeling anxiety themselves from being too close. And even though they want the closeness, they need space. So then they back up and that's, so it's when the triggers all yep. hit. And then all of a sudden they're like, what is going on? Right. You're not, right. you're not the, who you said you were. So you, you do have to understand that with, with the styles, like Brad said, sometimes they don't come out until later because of all, all those reasons, all those reasons. It's not just, it's not just that we're putting up walls as to as to, you know to intimacy. It's also how what how comfortable we are with intimacy. And if somebody is uncomfortable, and this is where it's great as a general rule, right? Because if somebody has avoidant love styles, then at least you understand when they start giving you pushback or you start feeling them push away, pull away, I shouldn't say push away, you, you feel them pulling away or detaching a little bit. They're not calling like they were. They weren't texting like they were. And anxious is going to push harder. Like what's going on? Let's yes. talk about it. Why is what, you know, and they're going to yep. get insecure and push. And then that's going to push the avoidant away further. So we've got to understand that this is that point when you feel somebody start to pull away that you step back too. that you not, if you're an anxious, that yeah, you try not, not to do that. Well, yeah. It's hard. It's hard though because, like we've talked about, and let's let's get into this a little bit because this is day to day stuff that happens in everyday relationships, mm -hmm. whether it's your partner's relationship or a sibling or a mom or dad or whatever. But you're gonna go through stages of that, right? Like there are times I find myself being anxious if I can't get in touch with my kids and I know they've been on the road for three hours and they're going somewhere and I can't get in touch with them. Right. That little bit of worry and that anxiety comes in. And I think we all kind of move around. I think, again, we have that base, right? But then we're going to slide over to anxious sometimes. Then there's going to be times where we go and you and I talked about this. There's going to be times where I'm like, you need to leave. <laughs> like, Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a good time. I'm going home now. Right? You're going to need your space, right? And that's all healthy, right? All those pieces are healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think the point is, is that you've got to find that whatever that rhythm is, with your other person, you know, as you move, through, it's a dance. It, it is a dance, but you know, it's funny how everything just kind of comes together. I just chose today and it was not related to this, but it's 100% related to this. I put a post up that said, you've got to find people that love like you do. Correct. And that's where all of this comes into play because there are a million different dynamics because somebody's Again, I don't think somebody's just avoidant or they're just anxious or they're just secure. I think there's combinations of all of that and depending on the situation and depending on the person they're in because it's situational as well. Uh, so well, I think the other thing, I guess what I was trying to say too is, is that we certainly don't want the anxious or the avoidance or anybody to feel like we're picking on them because we're not. It's okay to be that. You just have to manage it. 
it's, it's just you. It is it's, about managing it's, it. It's managing. But it's no different than it's a, easier to manage when you have somebody in your life that is more like you than is not like you. True. Now, even, do if you you're think, in a, even if you're an avoidant, it would probably be better for you to be in a relationship with another avoidant because you would have similar, you would both know, like you would both so know when you, to back off. Do you think too anxious can make it? Yes. Because I mean, they're going to be like, all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, like, anxious. Eh. I just said we weren't going to pick on you. Then. Yeah, sorry. So Brant jumped in here and he, he said, <laughs> um, he was, we were talking about all the timing and stuff. And he said, correct. It can take three to four months to find out who someone really is. And I get that. Maybe not that long, but I always said that everyone's on their best behavior for the first three to six months in a new relationship. The real person hasn't shown up yet. You agree with that? I think it, I think yes and no. Uh, I think the reason it takes somebody so long for the real person to show up is if it takes you three or four months and Brant, I hope you hear this and everybody else, because there's lots of other people that agree with you. If it's taking you three or four months to get to know somebody intimately, you're not asking the right questions to people. You and need be sure to clarify intimate. We don't mean sleeping with them. You no, mean I don't really mean that. knowing their core and their people and, and what they're all about. No, right? I like don't mean their that. Their true self. What I mean is Maybe. <laughs> you need to be asking if you, if your intention is to be in an intimate relationship with somebody, you need to know them intimately, which means you need to know who they are, what their history is, why their history is, if they're divorced, why they're divorced, if they lost a partner, what were the details of that? What are the dynamics in their family? I mean, you need to be asking these questions up front. These are the things that matter. You should know these things within a month of dating somebody. If it's an intimate dating situation, you should know those before you sleep with somebody. So let's, let's talk about those then. What are some of those key questions that they can uncover and, and maybe understand if someone's an attack, uh, uh, an avoidant or an anxious or secure. Do you have like a, like, well, I, I don't know. One that comes to mind to me is so general is like asking someone like, how do you love? Is that just weird? Isn't that a weird question to ask somebody? I mean, that just seems strange to me. It just seems very general to me, but here's a better question. Um, how were you loved? I mean, it, once you do get into some intimate questions with your partner, I think Anthony Robbins was, one of these that talked about this years ago, he said, ask your partner how their father loved them and their mother loved them. And I do this a lot with my clients because you'd be amazed is for somebody that's in a current relationship. If you ask those questions and you dig into how they were loved by their parents, they tend to gravitate to that kind of love. And they, they could, they could describe the love of their partner, their current partner sometimes with that troubled parent relationship. So if they had a troubled relationship with dad, that girl's going to look and notice that her partner has a lot of her dad's characteristics. So how we love is, is, is definitely connected. I think this, the, so first, the other, so, no, wait, don't interrupt me. Let me finish. The first thing I want everybody to know, the question I want you to ask as Brad had asked, uh, is I want you to ask about people's past relationships. The more you know about their relationships, how many did they have? Why are they out of them? What was the reason for it? By listening to that and understanding, you're going to hear that person talk about the, re the, the reason. You're also going to hear that person describe their role in it or not. And I feel like the more somebody can come to the table and tell you what their role was in it, like, you know, my wife and I are divorced now because... 
we just kind of grew apart over the years. She was raising the kids. I was working. I focused way too much on my, my job, and I probably neglected her in hindsight, you know, and, uh, but by the time we went to reconnect, it was gone, and I hear that all the time, so that is the most obvious scenario. But, but hearing somebody's personal responsibility and accountability for their failed past relationships should tell you a lot about who they are and where their level of healing is. So that's important. Sure. Yeah. That'd be the most important to me. I think one of the simple ones you've always taught me about is just like, hey, tell me about your mom and dad. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how you were brought up. You know, those kind of things. Right. Where'd you grow up? What'd y'all do as a family unit? All those kind of simple things. All right. So here's another one that kind of gets to the nitty gritty in the book. Um, and I want you to know if you agree or disagree with this because I kind of raised my hand with Love Gen 101 philosophies. The only way to make sure that you meet potential soulmates is to go out with a lot of people. It's a simple law of probability. The more you meet, the greater the chances you'll find the one who is a good match for you. Then it says, by using the abundance philosophy, you maintain your ability to evaluate potential partners more objectively. And what you're actually doing is desensitizing your attachment. I don't know if I buy into that because you've always talked about quality over quantity and make sure they're healthy, make sure you're healthy. So walk us through some of that stuff about, yeah, yeah I just got to go out with more people. Well, uh, number one, I feel, I, I don't, how does that relate to attachment? Is it th that well, I think they're the anxious people becoming detached? Is that what they were saying? But see, I don't know how that would work for an anxious person because if they're going out with more people, aren't they just being more anxious? Well, they would become desensitized, <laughs> which is what they said. So, but but the answer to that is no, because no, I don't, I don't, I'm not buying that anyway. I feel like number one, when somebody has gone through a divorce or they've been in a relationship a long time, the best thing they can do is date around. They should. Uh, it's not sowing your oats, but it is the dating pool has changed. Things have changed. You do need to see what else is out there. And so dating and, and also what you need has changed. And that's the bigger part of it, who you are and what you need out of a partnership at this point in your life has changed and you're not aware of it. So the only way you're going to know what you need and what you don't need and what you like and what you don't like is by going out with multiple people and going, you know, yeah, you know, my wife was really detached and we had no fun together and this person is a blast and I really want somebody that I can have fun with and talk to. So you start gathering your information together about what you're looking for and that's where it can benefit you. But going through a ton of relationships and people, it's, that's, it's just going to get you in a bad cycle. I was just talking to a guy friend of mine the other night and we were talking about, he was saying how it was addictive. He had, he had gone through a divorce after many, over 20 years of marriage and started dating around and had multiple women. Like, I mean, I hope he's not watching, but, uh, you know, like, I mean, I think he was juggling like seven women at one time. Oh. I know. And, and I, I know, know why you would want to do that. Our producer Ziggy's choking right now over there. But, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, he was, he was, and, and he had enough days in the week where he could do it and he had the time to do it. And so he was juggling and recycling and rotating these women and he got into a bad habit. So then when he finally found somebody he liked, that was the one thing I told him, stop it, stop, cut everyone off that you have been with, cut everybody off and focus on this one. Because even if she's not the one, you need to get out of the habit of being this person that can't make a decision. 
So it, it was, it was, yeah. Sounds like he made a decision. <laughs> yes, he did. And, yeah. Yeah. But having said that, uh, you know, there's more to that, but I don't even want to get in that mess. Um, but, but, but quality is much more important than quantity. So it's not, it's, and it's not a numbers game. It's a clarity exercise. All right. It's not a numbers game. It's a clarity exercise. The more you know you, the more you know your triggers, the more you know what you want and what you like and what works for you. The more you know what you desire in a partner, the quicker you are to identify them. So what do you think about the book talking about that you're probably going to run into more avoidance slash anxious than anybody else? Do you believe that? They make a good point because they say because secures are in relationships. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, there's a lot of secures out there. Hello? Yeah, and there are there are many secures that probably aren't in happy relationships because of the other dynamics. If they're not in with another secure, which would be so great, where are all you secures? Um, but but yes, I I actually think it's this. I think that you're going to find a combination of all of them. That's why you need to understand every single attachment style and the triggers so that when you see them, you may have a secure that has tendencies towards being an avoidant. Mm -hmm. Right? I completely agree. That's why I think we're going to shift back and forth. Right. We're not going to just... I don't believe the whole philosophy that you're just going to be one way the whole time. It depends on the other person, too. I mean, they're... You do adjust, especially as a secure, you're going to adjust to the different styles around mm-hmm. you. Uh, so, so it's just all relative. It's just one. That's why, again, you have to understand when, when somebody's pulling away, and I think I already said this, but I'm going to use this example again because it's very, very common. If you're an anxious and you over-communicate because that's what you need, or you have an expectation, which expectations are not good because they don't allow for the other person to be another person and another human that has different needs and habits. But if you're that person, you've got to understand that that other person isn't. Even if they're not an avoidant, if you're too much for them, they're going to back off, right? So you need to know when you're pushing because of your insecurity is going to push somebody away. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And that's super common. Super and that common. was that was the truth before a book was written. That was that's the truth always. Yeah. So let me stress that point because I think if I could, as a dating coach and a matchmaker, this is where I see the most issues, the most, is somebody having that expectation. I know. Somebody having that expectation. And it's not just clinging, yeah. it's not just that clingy thing, it's that Somebody, I text them and they didn't text me back. Or we had a great date and I heard from them after the date, but I haven't heard from them since. And that was yesterday. We can't make, and the smart people understand that you can't make assumptions from that. You can't assume because you haven't heard from somebody in a certain amount of time that they're not interested anymore. Right. But people assume that. And assuming is the death of any connection. And it It makes an ass out of you and me. Assume. I, I know. No. Thanks, Brad. Like that was old. Hey, <laughs> I'm old. So. Okay. So, uh, so I, I hope that this is. Uh, I hope that this is 
hitting home for a lot of you because this is why this book is so important is for you to understand you the most. I know there's a quiz in here that is your part, like who your partner is. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's as important as understanding your triggers and how it relates. If you just have a general understanding, Brad, that well, some an avoidant is comfortable with intimacy to a point, and when they get uncomfortable, they pull away. And mm -hmm. that's where you're triggered is when they pull away. So you understand when they pull away, your job is not to push harder, right? Your job is to back off a little bit, right? Yep and not have endless conversations about it. I would recommend there is a digital version of the test for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. I did the whole assessment online. It's, I don't know if it's in the book book, but it is on, if you get the, the digital version or the Kindle version, it has a link mm -hmm. and you can just type in the link and, and go and do the test digitally. You get your results in like five minutes and they send you an email and stuff. It's really cool. But that was that so, was a, that one I think is imperative because of what you just said, which is then it tells you what more about you. Yeah, and you need to you know, know your triggers you. and how it's affecting anybody because especially if you are an anxious and there's a lot of you anxious out there, if you're an anxious, uh, your behaviors will push anyone away unless it's another anxious. It's going to push any good secure away or an avoidant away, and. I, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it to be mean because I think everybody's got, uh, you know, tendencies to be all of it, but that by far is the one that has the most triggers that are going to trigger somebody else because the avoidant goes in, but then they're kind of, they're, it's almost like an outfielder. They're kind of hanging in the outfield waiting for, you know, waiting for balls. So, uh, so they're, they're responding a little bit more two things. So the anxious have to be very aware of when they're being anxious and dealing with their anxiety versus projecting it on other people or relationships. Well, and I think one of the things that they highlighted that we talked about a little bit yesterday was the anxious avoidant trap. So if you've done the work and you kind of feel like you're an anxious or you're an avoidant and you're in a relationship, this was actually a married couple, or you're with a significant other that is an avoidant, you know, mm -hmm. anxious, avoidant, avoidant, anxious, then there are a couple of, they did figure out a solution to the problem. So the problem was he was, it sounded like he was a busy physician, oh, right? Yeah. And so he was going to work, you know, as a physician and, and, and doing his daily deal. And she was texting him throughout the day, mm -hmm. pretty constantly as the anxious in the relationship. And he was pushing away obviously, cause he didn't get all that. She was then turning it up even more because he wasn't responding and they were getting in big fights when he got home. Long story short, the solution, no, long story, long, Brad, keep go, go faster. <laughs> <laughs> the, the solution was, which I thought was very interesting is they both sat down. They went through these steps that the book talks about and she decided. And, and the funny thing was, is he didn't know that some of those texting and calls were her actually wanting to set up dinner plans. And he, she needed to know, Hey, what time are you going to be done? I'm like reservations over here. What, he was just thinking it was just over, overdone. She wasn't aware of how busy he really was. And so their, their thing was, is he came up and you didn't like this idea, but a scripted text that said, I'm thinking of you. Cause he did admit, and he did tell her, I do think about you throughout the day many times. So 
many times. So would you be okay if when I do that, I hit the little button that says thinking of you? Um, and then, and she, and it worked out for them. Now you didn't like that because you thought it was, it, it gives him an out it, as an avoidant. Oh, I mean, how insecure are you that you know somebody's sending you a fake message that they're thinking of you? <laughs> well, it's not fake. He, he said he generally does think about her. Oh. And at that moment, he hit the button. Listen, if you need that kind of validation, please go get some help. And I say that she not as counseling. in help, help, help. No, I get I, <laughs> That's not an answer. That's that's not an answer. The answer is dealing with the anxiety. It's not hitting a button to 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 fix a symptom of the problem, right? Uh, but the answer could be. I mean, this would be my answer. Get a grip on yourself, woman. <laughs> <laughs> We're now going into Dr. Laura's lovability. <laughs> <laughs> Get a grip on yourself. And accept that he's busy and understand that he's busy. And, and whoever you are, gentlemen, I understand that you're a doctor and you're in surgery, but shoot her a message when you can. You know, give her a message when you can. It could be just a heart. It could be a smiley face. It could be a kiss. Whatever. Don't can something that's not real. Don't, don't. Anybody that would accept something that was fake anyway, there's something wrong with that. I just, I don't. Well, I think, I mean. I, I don't know. I always look at this stuff like if it works for them and it makes them happy. It's only going to work for a to. period of time. Honestly. But I That's also look at your side blah, blah. and say, really, you don't have three and a half seconds to type a little message to your wife. You know, even if you're a busy doctor. Right. No one's in surgery from 6 a.m. to midnight. Well, you could be, but he would probably tell her that. So I, I thought that was interesting, but. Well, here's the deal. And I've said this before, and I'm going to try to wrap this up because that was a long story. But, you know, I had a, I actually had a real couple like this. It was a doctor and another woman that was super, super busy. And, but he just wasn't in, he could do the text message. He could make it happen. He just wasn't aware of it. He wasn't taking the time to do it. He didn't know the level of importance it was for her. Right. So when they talked about it in a time where it wasn't a problem, uh, you know, when, when it was maybe just, they were out having dinner and she made, you know, she maybe asked him about it when they weren't fighting about it or it wasn't an issue. They talked about it and he got better. Guess what? They're getting married in October. That's great. That's They're getting good story. married in October, but they had to get through things like this. And this was the exact example, but they dealt with it and he changed his behavior to, and, and also she changed because I, I explained to her like that was his job and text message might be the only, you know, thing he could do. But if he's in an eight hour surgery and he's an anesthesiologist and he's having to watch somebody's numbers constantly, I guess that's life or death. Get over yourself, you know, <laughs> back to Dr. Laura lovability. <laughs> I mean, and she wasn't that way. She was not an anxious. She just didn't understand it. So that's why it worked. She was a secure. And as soon as she understood it, she was like, okay, oh. that's fine. So here's the biggest thing that you said in that whole story. Communication. Communication. They talked about it, right? Yeah. They didn't go to their separate rooms because they were pissed at each other or, or bicker and, and gripe at each other. They sat down and they had an adult right. conversation and he went, okay, yeah, I'll do it. You know, it's funny. I have, <laughs> Everybody's happy now. My next door neighbor, Brent's watching. Hey, Brent, uh, he and his fiance are getting married in October 
And, uh, you know, they're the funniest. I need to have them on sometime. They are, when we can have them in here, they're a hoot. They communicate about everything. Things, things you wouldn't even think people would communicate about, they communicate about them. And, they, and it makes it funny and humorous, but it also makes it a very healthy relationship. Absolutely. They're, they know what the other expects from them. And it's, it's awesome. They're really, well, you're supposed to be with your best friend, right? So like, why couldn't you have that? Cause we chatted about this yesterday about, you know, how would you handle these kind of situations? And I always thought, well, it seems simple to me, I guess, maybe in my common sense and, and simplicity, look of life and being a secure, if you will. But it's like, I would have headed it off at the pass. I would have told her right. the night before, honey, I just want you to know, I've got eight hours of surgeries and I'm going to be going from one OR to another and I probably won't be able to communicate with you, but go ahead and set up reservations. And if, you know, if I'm running a little late, I'll let you know. Or if ever I don't respond, you know? it's because I'm in surgery. Right. So for the future, yeah. if I don't respond right away, it's because I can't. I'm going to allow you to just make that decision without me because you can do it because you're a big girl. Yeah, because you're a grown woman. <laughs> but, I mean, I think there's a lot of that. So, like, I could see where you could help or support the anxious attachment style simply by communicating. Right. You don't have to be all lovey-dovey all the time. A lot but of you time, also have they to have just ba- need You some, also have to have boundaries, though. You know, sure, you've got to have your... I mean, everybody's got to have their their little boundary system in their relationships. But or their all big I'm, boundary system. All I'm simply saying is, like, a lot of this can be avoided if, like, your couple friends are getting married. Would just talk. You just, hey, I don't like it when this, or I really feel anxious when I don't hear from you, and this is why. And a lot you of know. that anxiety with that anxious can be calmed just through discussion, and communication, and explanation. <laughs> However, if you're with an avoidant, they're not going to want to. If that explanation, if they have to continue to do that, they're out. Yeah. They're out. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, okay. So I hope that I, I feel like the foundation of this book, giving principles of the different attachment styles is a great foundational tool for you to understand some of your triggers and where they happen. Because ultimately I don't think everybody's just one style. I think we float and rotate and it can be situational as well. So you just need to know, you need to pay attention, you need to be present, and you need to know how to adapt when to others' behavior. So that means don't be consumed with yourself and your own thoughts. Communication is, is between two people, so you need to be present in that and aware sure. of what, is, what your impact in communication and personality is having on the other person. Two ears, one mouth. Right. right. Okay. I'm if y'all didn't know like that. that. I mean, there's two of these. I've been told that so much in my, oh my life. God. <laughs> I know why. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, okay. So uh, we we are not going to be talking about this next week, but I do hope that this was valuable information. The more we started digging into this book, the more I felt like we needed to give a balanced view of it so that people weren't uh, trying to trying to uh, label themselves. Just a guideline. Two for the tool belt. Say that mm-hmm. fast. Don't say it fast. Okay. So uh, we will see you guys. Thank you for joining us every single week. If you miss the podcast or want to hear it again, you can always listen to the replay on Apple, Google, Spotify. It's on all of them. Uh, so just go to uh, Apple Podcasts and download the uh, podcast app and you can listen whenever you want. Uh, so thanks for being here and participating. And we love your feedback and we love you being here. And we'll see you next week. 
is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Styers.